Hi, my name is Steven. Hi, I'm April. This is the Three Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. Together, Stephen and I owned a seven-figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in-home services. 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically to ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, everyone watching and listening. Uh, Today, we are just going to continue our conversation from last week uh, on client safety, just because of the recent article that's been kind of posted all over Facebook at this point. Um, We felt like it was kind of an important topic. Um, Well, I mean, and it's a real concern. Absolutely. it's 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 something that as business owners, as providers to services to kids and um, individuals who may not have the means to communicate, to report you know, abuse, to report, yeah. yeah, or you know, and and it also opens, well, it doesn't open a can of worms, but it does lead to talking about other things on the peripheral of the. I can't say the word, anyways. Like other things, like supported, like there, there are a lot of controversy and stuff like that about safety of ABA in general through some groups. Um, but, and we are going to explore that as well. But to, for today, we're really looking at like, what can we put in place? How can we train our staff? How can we hire? Mm-hmm. How can we hire people that are going to be staff that align with our values and follow all the rules and treat the children, you know, the way that they need kindly. to be treated. I, I don't, it's a, it's a very sensitive topic. And I, I don't know, I feel like there should be like a trigger warning kind of, and I don't say that lightly, but we are going to be discussing abuse, not in detail, but in the sense of what can we do as a business owner? What can we do as clinicians to put policies and procedures in place to minimize that risk of the of, of children being hurt i mean yeah. that's that's our intention yeah, i guess absolutely. and so uh we hope that if any of you guys are uh listening live that um any any comments any everything's welcome and we you know we can shift the conversation as needed um if there are comments and questions but yeah i mean it really it's it's that's our main intention i guess is to it's like for the safety of the individuals that we're providing services for. And so we get that what we're going to discuss today isn't simply all you do. It's not that easy. It's not that simple that like, oh, if you do these few things, Don, you're good. That's not what we're saying. You know, like this is just part. This is a small part of a big picture um and us as an ABA community and uh, providers and and you know would love to see us all work together and figure out even more and grow and learn and work together and collaborate and we're open I've sent out some quite a few um invites to the podcast um I'd love to get a panel together or you know if you have a very specific field like a very specific um information or expertise or research in any part of this and you want to come on like trauma-informed care or spotting red flags or Mm -hmm. how to train like anything that we talk about today and if we anything else that we may have missed out on we would love to um just uh send us emails and 
reach out to us and yeah, we can, yeah. we would just love to continue this conversation. We don't want to just have a couple of conversations because there was a story in the news, right? right. No, we're, no. we're not minimalizing it. Not, it's just like, okay, let's, let's get the conversation rolling. Yeah. You know? I mean, and you know, like, I think the stats on this is that children with autism are abused at a rate of three or four times more than their typical peers, uh, neurotypical peers. So we're just working with a very vulnerable population and we need to do our best to protect them, right? And no business owner that I know of is saying, you know, how can we create some risk and hurt some people, right? And so it's just figuring out what we can do, taking a look at where we're at and figuring mm -hmm. out how we can improve and, and prevent, right? Um, I mean, it's quite opposite. We've had a lot of three pi squared clients reach out to yes, us, customer, yeah. customers reach out to us and say, oh my gosh, like, here's some thoughts I have. Yeah. This is what we're thinking. I mean, that's kind of what got the um, got this last, ball rolling. Week's, yeah. uh, last week's podcast was on like Videos. video, using video camera and video surveillance and stuff like that, recording to, mm -hmm. to keep, kind of keep kids safe. Keep kids safe. Yeah. And so now at this point, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh yeah. So, so, so we talked about that and um, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Okay, well, I need we'll, more coffee. <laughs> well, let's get into it. So, you know, again, we're going to be talking about client safety and the things that we can put in place as business owners and the things that we suggest. Obviously, we don't know everything, uh, not even close. So anyone listening to this, please comment, uh, ask questions, and we'll do our best uh, to provide answers or take your suggestions uh, because this really, we do want this to be collaborative, right? Yeah. And and so like if you have any feedback or suggestions, please, please share. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. So not to harp on this, but we're going to harp on this. But, it's my passion project. <laughs> but really having a good foundation of values-based leadership can help with this. So creating your company values uh, so that you know what to promote and what not to promote within your company. And if you find yourself in and maybe an unethical or compromising position, you can see, whoa, 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 we're, we're not aligned with our values in this situation right now. So how do we change that? How do we, how do we move forward and do this using our values to promote the safety of our clients, to promote an open company or whatever values you may have. Yeah, I mean, it may be a great opportunity too, to maybe you have values um, or a mission statement, but it's kind of for decoration or right. it's just kind of checking off the list of things that you're thought you're supposed to do yeah. to start a company. And it may be a great idea to go back, a great time to opportunity to go back and revisit that and say, okay, does this really work for me? Is this really what match my my vision and mission for for this company? And and do these values make sense? And and do I have? Oh gosh, maybe I need to add a value or two to cover some of this that I'm realizing is important. I mean, you know, as you grow and change, right. your values can grow and change Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So, I mean, if not, if you don't already have that, then it's a great opportunity and to then, do that or to update. Yeah. And, and like you said, these aren't just like a placeholder, like you're using your mission statement and values throughout your company, 
promoting them um, and then using them in your day-to-day -day work environment. Well, they become part of the culture. And I think yeah. that's what this building an open company, no matter Absolutely. what, no matter what values that you choose to focus on and no matter what your mission is, having those and living those and making those decisions based on your values and checking in to see if you're heading in the direction that you want to be heading in, yep. right? All help to create that, that open company like the, the just the open atmosphere where for people to come and talk to you and, and one of the reasons that we're you know bringing this up now is not only in big terms but small right like if a staff member has just that funny feeling something's not right right but they don't have any evidence they don't have any they're like oh who am i to bring this up you know the, the idea is to have an open environment and like a compassionate community in the sense that someone could bring up a concern of just a gut feeling and it be accepted. Right. It be and received. It received and then not feel like they're going to get in trouble or right. get someone else in trouble if there's no reason to. Because I think right. sometimes that happens too. Oh, what if I'm just overreacting? Right. And so, you know, if you have that, I mean, it's, it's an uncomfortable situation. It's a difficult situation. There, there's not going to be one right way to to handle it. But if you have that compassion and that openness and that culture already within your company, then it, it's going to make it a little bit easier, or at least it's going to make it to where you can have that conversation. Want to start an ABA practice, but not sure where to start? Have an ABA practice, but not 100% confident on the business side? We have you covered. Join our ABA Business Leaders Membership. With over 60 hours of content, we walk you through all areas of starting and expanding your ABA practice, from getting your LLC all the way through ethics and own of owning a practice. Oh, and it also comes with CEUs. 34. Yeah, 34 CEUs. All the CEUs you need to get your two-year recertification. To find out more, go to 3pisquared.com and click on Courses. And then that situation can be investigated thoroughly to make sure right, that nothing's happening. Then you go through happening. the right yeah. avenue. But even yeah. just getting it started, yeah. right? Like even just someone coming to you with a gut feeling, uh -huh. maybe their gut feeling is spot on. Yeah. Maybe maybe they have maybe their imagination is running away with them or something. Yeah. Who knows? But then that I mean, if if people feel like they can come to you and talk to you, they or they know to who to yes. who to talk to. Yeah, yeah and so yeah, it's, it's so like important, that. right? And building those values into your company will create this environment of openness and people will feel valued and, and people will feel like that you want to hear their concerns right. and issues because you do, right? Um, and I know you have mm -hmm. leadership team next, but I want to mm -hmm. hop to using your values in the hiring sure. process Go because this also, right? Like, so if you have your mission, you have your values, you they're clearly defined and in, in, you know you're working on putting them in part of your day-to-day -day life right then um part of that is using them for your hiring process right mm -hmm. and so you know making them known to the person that's coming in for an interview or who you know may be interested in the job or whatever um making your values known and having a conversation now i mean like we said earlier none of these things are you know, catch all, you know, foolproof because you can have a great conversation with someone right. about this and they still may be 
not being truthful or honest with you, right? Um, but um, it does having these conversations and letting them know that you're also kind of holding everyone within the company accountable to those values because that's a part of it to build your culture. You have to be, you have to follow it and you have to hold everyone, including yourself, accountable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just another, just one more layer, one more piece of the puzzle to kind of help create a safe environment. Um, I don't know if you want to go back to yeah, leadership Yeah, so creating that leadership team. So this isn't just the managers or you know, the C-suite, if you're that big, this is, you know, having a leadership team. So every department, so admin are included, RBTs are included, behavior techs, whatever your term is for that, BCBAs. Um, and then, you know, having, having someone from each department in this leadership group so that you can get different perspectives um and um it, it'll just um again it fosters that openness and that communication um having out of that maybe an offshoot having like an rbt discussion panel where uh no one from you no know, bcbas are there no leadership is there it's just you know the rbts and maybe the rbt team lead is there who is going to then take that information without names, right? And bring it to the leadership group. So things like this can be very helpful. Again, fostering open communication because we we want, if there are concerns or issues, and this doesn't just have to be about abuse, but certainly about abuse, uh, we want this to be reported and discussed as quickly as humanly possible. Um, and then like, we'll talk about trainings that we can do, but training your staff on the signs of abuse and, you know, the difference in behaviors uh, because of abuse. Uh, because again, some of the children that you're working with may not be able to report this. And so we just fostering that open communication, that open environment, that safe work environment promotes a safe environment for clients as well. So that's, it's just critical, right? I've gotten um, a lot of questions about, or a few questions, I should say, about mm -hmm. leadership team, like mm -hmm. some of the values uh, coaching and stuff that I've been doing. And so I, I, I have that on our podcast idea for list for like going into more detail about how to form your leadership team. So that's something that, that could be helpful for you in the future. But I think this is, I just wanted to take a second here to to just stress how important it is for us to support our RBTs, our behavior techs. Um, definitely important for us to support all members yep. of our, of our, you know, all staff, right? Um, but that is something I'm just gonna put in a little thing here because I would love to get together an RBT panel and I've been reaching out, trying to find some RBTs or behavior techs that would be willing to come on and do a panel. So just a little shout out there. If anybody's interested, let us know because I am having a hard time finding some behavior techs who, you know, who to respond. Maybe I'm just not in the right, reaching out to the right groups right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's super important because if we do, like you said, have that like RBT behavior tech, like round table discussion group, you, you, ha you, you just build them in with the community of your company and the values and everything aren't just leadership they're for everybody and the values based decision making is also very much related to your direct staff your yep. i mean 
we couldn't have these companies. We couldn't provide services to these kids if it weren't for our amazing RBTs and behavior techs. And also the nature of the job where, and we'll talk about this a little bit later of some things that we can do to kind of possibly make some changes, but like a lot of times they are alone, especially on the in-home services or, you know, alone in the sense of they're not there in a clinic where they have, you know, other people to reach out to right there. So it just makes it, we have to go that extra mile. We really have to put that effort in to make sure that they're getting the support that they need Mm -hmm. and that all the things are going to, you know, are getting to them as well. And uh, so, yeah, so values-based decision-making, I feel like it's just, you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that. It's just using those values to make those decisions. And if you're make, using your values and to make all your decisions, then right. you're staying in line with your values. Right. So, But again, you get into those situations where maybe things have, they're off, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you get into these meetings and you're like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? Yeah. Why are we doing it that way? Having those values can reorient you um, so that you're like, okay, I I see what we were doing here, but um, it's not, this doesn't feel like it's based on our values. How can we change our behaviors to be more aligned with those values? Yeah. Or maybe we're missing something here with our values. We need to reevaluate and like, we need to add a piece to this or we need to switch something. Or clarify. Clarify because it's not, it's not really catching Hmm. what we're wanting it to. But then like the follow through and accountability. I mean, we're going to talk about this throughout probably every slide today, mm-hmm. but the follow through and accountability, like you can have the greatest values mm-hmm. and mission and have the perfect policies training. and tra- yeah. all the things. But if you're not following through and you're not holding people accountable, then including yourself, including yourself, most importantly, yourself, um, then it doesn't matter what kind of policies you have in place if you're not following them and holding people accountable so all right so so quickly some policies that we would recommend uh for everyone to have in place uh some of this we talked about in the last video or the the video system or camera system podcast that we did last week uh, but an abuse and molestation prevention program so like this is the policy that you would have in your client handbook um, to show your families what we do to screen our staff. And when I'm talking about staff, if you have any volunteers uh, or interns, you want to treat them just as though just as uh, as you would for paid, you know, yes. regular staff. And yourself too. You as a business owner Correct. have to have the same employee file that you have for everyone else. Correct. Yes. With you. So yeah. So having an abuse and molestation prevention. So this would be like, what are the signs of abuse? How to report abuse? And then the, the systems that we have in place to prevent or prevent um, hiring staff that may cause abuse. Yeah, it's like in, in addition to mandated reporter. Correct. Like it's separate and, and in addition to because it's um like... Okay, so mandate reporter in your state. Okay, then like, what does that look like within your company? Who do they go to to help them to carry out? Like, who do they report to Mm -hmm. to let you know that they are, you know, calling who they need to call for mandate reporter according to your state? Yep. And then a whistleblower policy. So if someone does see something and they don't feel comfortable bringing it to their immediate supervisor, um, what do they do? How do they do it? And um, like the... 
that there will be no retaliation if if something is you know if, if there is a whistleblower issue so that that's an important policy to have in place uh two staff in uh in the clinic so always having uh two staff working together highly recommend it and uh again the focus is on abuse here but you know let's say you have a staff member that's working with a child and something happens they hit their head or uh they trip and um and they get hurt or you know heaven forbid they have a heart attack or whatever right and now this child is alone without anyone right and and um this could be a, a huge issue so um having that second person um is is really important anyway yeah i mean i feel like it would you would have to really clearly define this in clinic and in home but mm -hmm. like in clinic two staff in clinic like you should always have two staff in yes. the clinic forever like always like you should in the building itself yes. you should never just have one adult and Client. however many people you're you're providing services for right like you should always have that second person whether it's an admin at the front desk or something like i don't i'm not saying it but i can't there's no kind of like law or anything i can quote but just like out of pure common sense and like liability like yes just i don't know a situation where i could think that it would be okay to not only have one right. staff member in the building yeah. but we're also looking at too like i i know it's like financial like it can cost a lot of money and you have to decide what it would look like but like we talked about in the last podcast mm -hmm. with um with steve is that like the whole like having two staff like having an assistant staff or a shadow staff or maybe having two equal staff or whatever like in the same area yep. working on a buddy system so yep. so it really could or if you have like a floater person i don't know like there are a lot of different ways that could look but whatever it is that you would decide you would need to have it clearly defined yes. and follow through with it yep. and same with caregiver and home like yes just having yeah i absolutely should always always have a caregiver present and that caregiver needs to be defined of like age does the 12 year old right. older sister count as a caregiver even if in that state a 12 year old can babysit like right. is that are you okay with that and then you know also looking you could always reach out to your liability company yep. um i know cph has an attorney that you can ask questions to yep. i'm sure some of the others do as well did you know three pies squared offers one-on-one -on -one consulting from in-network audit prep and credentialing to rate negotiation. We help ABA business owners in all areas of the practice. We work with you to create a priority list and then knock it out. Find out more at 3pisquare.com. Click on consulting. But anyways, like, and so if, if mom or dad or grandma or babysitter, whoever, whatever caregiver is, in the yard watering the flowers is that okay do they have to be in the home like there's right. so much here that needs to be clearly defined, clearly defined. of what you're yes. comfortable with the level of with the level of risk that you're comfortable with and what i mean of course what you can do i mean financially too because we understand that that is also something sure. you have to consider sure. but i mean most of the time you should be able to schedule in the clinic where two therapists Absolutely. are very close and, and can kind of buddy 
uh, watch each other. And I, I think that that is doable for the most part. Definitely. Right? I mean, in and home, then, like, can you send two people out to no, home? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I, mean no. I, I think if I would have, like, I would have loved to do that mm -hmm. in a perfect world, sure. right? Like, I would have loved to be able to do that. But then you also have, like, you can't build insurance for both of Correct. those in most cases, unless Correct. you have, like, a, a very specific situation that you've gotten, right. you know. Right. And then supervision. So, again, if you're, like, you know, we've had, when we've interviewed techs over the years, you know, they'll say, yeah, I think I saw my supervisor once uh, in the last couple months. Like, we want to be doing the supervision that we need to do for our techs. Well, and not just BCBA, like supervision of your staff, sure. even like supervising your, your BCBA, like mm -hmm. supervising all levels and all positions of your staff to make sure they're following the policy, having something in place yeah. to supervise yeah. and hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. But yes, definitely follow the board guidelines yes and so having a well again a well-defined supervision policy uh, and like you said for all staff um so as the clinical director how often are you supervising your supervisors um and then how often are your supervisors supervising the techs and and make sure that they can see if there is a behavior change with their clients, like what do we do? How do we handle this? So at least having... know when any red flags yes. are up to, to investigate them, not Absolutely. that we're looking for to investigate everything as abuse, but like just to say, oh, what's going on? Oh, well, you know, child's been sick for a couple of weeks right. or, you know, they went on vacation, uh, you know, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, like if you're a supervisor and uh, hopefully None of you are in this situation, but like we've, I, again, we've interviewed BCBAs and they've told us we, I had 50 cases, right? And like, this was years ago now, Yeah. but like, you know, how, oh my goodness. It's like, how, how are you doing this and why are you doing this? But like, how could you, if you had that many cases, how could you even mm -hmm. see behavior changes if it one did manifest? And so I, I just like, so, you know, having a good system in place that says we limit the caseload to x amount of cases or x amount of supervision hours per week and 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 then sticking with that um so that you know your your supervisors your bcbas don't get overloaded so that they can supervise their techs and their clients appropriately so just having those systems in place i think is really important um and then training um so trauma-informed care is a great training to have your staff trained on <laughs> yeah um, we're looking for an expert or yes. two to come on and talk more yep. about this if anyone's interested but yeah <laughs> uh huge and, and i would i would say that i'm not sure all the guidelines that you would look for but i would i would say that i would recommend that you maybe even get a couple of different individuals or groups and talk to them and make sure you have like a reputable credible sure. source that this sure. is coming from because mm -hmm. i do see a lot of this popping up but yeah. you want to make sure and that's one reason i'm not offering any advice right now on trauma and for care i have some ideas but I'm not offering any advice on it because I, I don't know for certain. And so just be careful with it's very sensitive and it's kind of, yeah. So just be careful where you get the information from and make sure it's a reputable, credible source. Yep. And we will try to bring some reputable, credible sources to you yes. eventually. But yeah. yeah. And then mandate a reporter. So you should have a policy on this, right? Let your 
families know that you are a mandated reporter, uh, but then also train your staff on it. Now, there was another article out just today I saw uh, where there was an RVT um, that was witnessed abuse in the school system and they did not report it. And now they're being charged uh, for failure to report. Uh, so there's some misdemeanor, uh, mister, misdemeanor, is that Mis misdemeanor? So yeah, so, uh, so like this is a real thing, right? If you see abuse, you have to report it. And again, just like we talked in our last, last week, you, you have a certain timeline that um, you have to report this. So follow your state guidelines. I know in Virginia, we had every county had their own policy on mandated reporter. So you may, especially if you're working in multiple counties, you're going to have to um, just make sure that you research those counties that you work in so that you're following the correct timeline so you get this right. And then who who reports it? Can uh, someone tell me as the owner of the company that they saw abuse and then I report it? Or do they have to report it again? So this, can I be there when they report it? So it's just you you need to know what you have to do or your staff has to do um, with each county uh, and and having those resources available and then you know just training your staff at minimum yearly on this uh, but you may want to do it more frequently yeah it would really be this is another area where i'm really interested to see what some experts have to say on this because yes and and by the way like what he's stating with Virginia may well have changed in the last year. Yes, it may. Because we've yes. been out, yes, we've been, been out now for a year. Correct. So, but yeah, you you do need to know your state guidelines in your county or your city or your mm -hmm. school district. I don't know, right? Like, but yeah, I would be really curious to know like what people would say on the frequency of like because I do know that a lot of times it's in the back of our mind as clinicians about mandated reporter, but sometimes we also, especially maybe I'm biased, but I would say like maybe especially in, in home care, right? Like, and you've had clients for what, like there's like a level, as much as we really try to keep things professional and clean and, you know, boundaries and all that, there's some level of comfort sure. that that is there mm -hmm. or, you know, so I feel like mandate reporter type training or type awareness, like should be brought up more than just once a year or by god like sometimes you do it as like initial training for your staff and then it's not brought up again right, right? and i don't know what states might not require it yearly probably right. more and more require it yearly but even still like i would be interested to know like mm -hmm. what people would recommend that frequency yeah. because it's super important it really i is. think just keeping it the awareness right keeping those yeah. open that open communication just keeping it in the back of your mind and then abuse and neglect training is probably another good training to get so again so that your staff can see the warning signs of abuse um right. and so that they Again, just have that knowledge and awareness. Okay, what's going on here? And I'm seeing different, something different is happening right now. And I don't know why. Uh, so then they can follow up with their supervisor or, you know, again, maybe they feel like they have to use that whistleblower policy or, or mm -hmm. do a, a mandated reporter. Um, but just having that knowledge 
can then have that open communication so this this could be investigated to the extent it needs to be. Uh, having assent training, I think, is another great uh, training so that, you know, giving your clients the ability to say no, no means no, right? Um, no. Well, and in some, it might be like even teaching them that. Skill, yes, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, it's yeah. not just the fact of allowing that to be, mm -hmm. but like letting that be part of their programming. But um, yeah, like not using, and I, I am not a BCBA, so, uh, but like force compliance is not ideal, right? We sh really shouldn't be doing that and allowing them to say, no, I need a break or uh, letting them walk away, right? Um, even just even allowing, if they don't have those skills. Right. I mean, even yeah. just allowing their feelings, yes. them to have their feelings. Yeah. And this is the big piece that I kind of like was thinking about when I said what I did at the beginning, like I've reached out to quite a few people. I've gotten a great mm -hmm. response. I'm excited to talk, you know, to talk further, but to really, um, to really open this conversation up within our community mm -hmm. even more. So we've yeah, had, absolutely. we've had other guests on yes, before. Yes, we, we have a podcast um, out last year. Mm -hmm. We did a podcast on Ascent. Uh, so check that out. Yeah, um, that was with Oswin. Oswin Latimer. Um, and that, yeah, so mm -hmm. that was 2022. Maybe no, 2021. It might have been yes, 2021. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great that's a great podcast. Mm -hmm. They really go into a lot of great examples. Of course, just the beginning of of the conversation, not all the answers. No, um, I mean she's an amazing. Uh, they are an amazing resource, and uh -huh. uh, they they do specific trainings on on this, and so. Mm -hmm. You know that that may be an uh, an excellent resource for you, but yeah. So we're gonna try and have some other guests on uh, for you know these topics as well. Yeah. Do you need to pass an in-network audit? Do you know if you have all the policies you need for HIPAA? Would you like a comprehensive client or employee handbook for both in-home and clinic ABA services? Check out Three Pi Squared's quality management system. Our handbooks pass funder in-network audits and are geared specifically to ABA. Best of all, we provide free updates. The templates come in Word and Excel so you can customize the handbooks to meet your company's unique needs. Check them out at 3pisquare.com. Click on Quality Management System. And then caregiver training yeah. is super important because like, also having those policies within your your like client handbook mm -hmm. or whatever you call it where you know the the parent or caregiver understands the procedure and the policy to follow if they suspect anything going Absolutely. on with the staff because like you want to be very clear right that like our intent is to be here to help and to have a trustworthy you know sure. working relationship and blah, blah blah but if for any reason you have any concerns this is what you do this is what you mm -hmm. do within our company this is who you can go to this is who you can talk to like all sure. like the policies They're and like then also training them of like mm -hmm. here are so you know, all the same things you're training your staff, like training the parents also of the red flags. Because, mm -hmm. like, I assume that these children are getting other resources, other than other services, other than just ABA. So they may have speech, OT, PT, respite care. Like, they, they who knows, right? How many services they are getting. So just giving the your families that uh, knowledge, so that if they're like, if there is 
you know, again, signs of abuse or neglect that they can try to s- figure out what's going on right, right as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah, or n- so know who to talk to. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. If, if it's hopefully not with someone on your staff, then like that they can still come to you. Yes. I mean, and I'm just going to be real here as a AVA business owner, right? Like we're dealing, we're working with caregivers of children or individuals, right? Not necessarily children. Like some of us provide services for teenagers and adults. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those cases, there are caregivers that are the responsible party, right? Correct. Especially when we're in the early intervention settings. But um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of how to say this, like, that's not offensive, but parents come to us with concerns a lot. And and sometimes we don't always take them seriously. Or if they're not able to communicate to us in a way, maybe they just like, I don't like this therapist. I don't want this therapist in my house. And we're like, well, that's who you've got. That's who we have the schedule for. This person's got the skill set for it. Or, you know, we have our reasons of why we put this person with this, you know, the staff member with this client that we're providing services for. But for whatever reason, they don't, they don't like them. Maybe it's because they have a red shirt on, or maybe it's because they just don't click with their personality, or maybe they have a real concern about a way that they're, and sometimes we don't always take those things seriously. I mean, I know myself included, especially in the beginning when I was trying to figure it all out and trying to figure out how to navigate that balance of needing to staff these cases who are somewhat, and I, I was in mostly early intervention, right? So someone's little kid, little baby child, you know, um, and really trying to work with their schedule and their needs and their preferences. And I was a little too giving, you know, mm-hmm. there. And, and then I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I, I'm never going to be able to make everyone happy. So then I had to start putting procedures in place to help me to make these decisions and bring in other staff members to help me make these decisions. And I always tried to take into consideration what parents had to say and their concerns, but I don't know, like looking back, I, I didn't have as, some of these things weren't weren't as in the forefront. Like I, I wasn't thinking about abuse. To this extent. To this, right. Like it was there, right? right. But like, so I don't know. So I guess I'm just like, we, we have to, we have to listen to our caregivers. Yeah. We really have to take them seriously. And they may not know how to express. Maybe they just have a gut feeling and they're not really sure how to express to us in a way. And so giving them that training to help them to know how to advocate for them, for their kids. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a heavy, it's really, it's really heavy um, topic because especially as a business owner, we have so much responsibility on us to do everything that we can to create a safe environment Absolutely. for the individuals that we're providing services for. And as yeah. I don't think it's just that. I think it's like the, if it ever happened in your company, I, oh my gosh, I, 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 I don't even, yeah. And so there, there's like, like who, like the, no one wants that. Right. And so it's not just about, I mean, maybe that is included in responsibility, but it, I just like your moral, well, that's like, just, right? just like, on just, your shoulders. Yeah, just like, just like, that, yeah. like you wouldn't want that to happen to anyone. So uh, let alone someone 
that you are providing service and, and are a trusted uh, source of yeah. safety, I guess. And it's just, um, yeah. yeah. So having that open communication and giving everyone as much knowledge as you possibly can, uh, I think can can only help this um, this situation. Well, and I think that too, like um, part of the staff training, mm -hmm. um, especially RBT behavior mm -hmm. techs, is like training them on like not. I, I hate to say like training them on communication with parents, but like there is like a kind of a different skill set there, right? And so yeah, so training them, <laughs> giving them the training and. But also, like, if you if you're incorporating that with like your your values and stuff like that, like, the idea would be that the families that you serve would also feel the compassion right. and the, the care and the openness yeah. that your entire agency feels. And so, hopefully, that's the intent, right? right. Is that they also feel it and they're aware of your values and they can also like benefit from that. I don't know. It's, it's like a state. It's, it's, I don't know. So we can move on. I could just sit here and ponder this. <laughs> That's why I've been reaching out to so yes. many people. I just, right. I want to learn more. I, yeah. I want to know more. All right. And so obviously background checks, right? We, we need this to do the this. black and white yeah. stuff so at least, the, I guess. Yeah. We, we need to do uh, as many background checks on our staff and again, including ourselves, um, as, as possible. So criminal background check. Certain payers were require certain types of checks yes. now yes. even more. And then certain states have requirements when you're working with children. So fingerprint check is not unreasonable. I, I think if you can do a fingerprint check, I would highly recommend doing a fingerprint check. So you're doing an FBI check. So they're not just looking at your state, they're looking nationally. Uh, malpractice check, obviously sex offenders check, uh, education check. Again, this goes towards the trustworthiness of your staff but it may also be like if your funder requires a bachelor's degree that you know you're checking on that a driving record while not really uh, important on this topic is something that you'll definitely need um, and then checking their certifications so if they claim that they're certified you know, um, with the board that they actually do have that certification. Uh, so the, and then, you know, if then, there is a requirement in your state of like a, a, a board of medicine license, you know, checking for that as well. You read my mind. Oh, well, I was going to add that. <laughs> so these are the things that we recommend uh, having in place. Again, this isn't a complete list. This is not going to reduce your risk to zero, obviously. Uh, it's a and start. yeah, it's a starting point. And as we all learn and grow, um, hopefully we can provide more information, uh, talking again, getting competent legal advice with your company. Always, always have that resource available, uh, speaking to your attorneys and seeing what um, in your state is required uh, training in your situation, uh, but they may also have some good information or good ideas on what other trainings to provide. And then, you know, just, you know, I think that all BCBAs do this anyway, or the, is like researching, right? So keeping up with the latest research um, to continue to grow and learn and, and, and train your staff in different areas so that again that 
um, they have the knowledge and understanding of what to look at and what to what to look for um, so that these things can be investigated as quickly as humanly possible. That's really it. That's all I've got. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and just collaborating together as much as we can. Yeah. Um, and we really, you know, again, we try to collaborate with as many BCBAs uh, as possible. Like we work with around 900 practices all over the country collaborating is part of what i love about what we do right and and so i think that this is a, this is another area where i would i would sorry about that uh but uh you know i would love as much collaboration as we could possibly have in this area it's um it's just so important and we all want to keep our clients safe um and um so hopefully this was helpful thank you for listening and watching um and we would again we would love any comments feedback what did we miss what do we need to add uh what are the topics that we should try to focus on in this area if you have anything at all we would love to learn and grow ourselves and yeah. and then we can provide that information to all of the people that are listening or watching you got anything else no, I think that's it. Just um, if you do, uh, if you like, you can <laughs> subscribe and yes. um, to our podcast. And um, it's on all the podcast stuff, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, liking, uh, and, reviewing, yeah. that really does help. Just helps to um, get like for like whatever the system, the algorithm or whatever to help more people to see the podcast yeah. uh, and the more really the more information we can get out there especially yeah. as we start talking about some of the or not start we have been yeah. all along talking about some of these topics that we would love to see more conversation around to, to, to make a little some change and so yeah. part of the collaboration to for more people to to listen and to participate in this like the better but also you know just to do all the things that subscribing and rating does for podcasts i don't know <laughs> We, we really appreciate everyone, um, and we look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video, and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www.3piesquare.com.